0: hello and welcome along to the podcast sport and life thank you for being here thank you to the show sponsors bang nollison of cheltenham and serene av specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations go into their beautiful store in the courtyard in montpellier or look up jason briggs and his fine team at serene AV or at serene underscore av on social media so thank you to them thank you to cytoplan if you're looking to optimize your immunity cytoplan's a food-based supplement company that we've been taking their supplements for 20 plus years under the stewardship of my father dr mark draper and they've kindly offered a 30 discount off first purchase in association with the podcast and 10 ongoing if you go to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk At checkout, the discount code is Draper10R. My last name D R A P E R, all capital letters. The numbers one zero, and the capital letter R. I do hope you're well, and hopefully, maybe some of those supplements could help you in that. If you're looking for a pair of shoes, remember that Sport and Life has partnered with Herring Shoes in 2023, an English family-run shoemaking business which Richard Herring started in 1966, specialising in handmade classic shoes like oxfords and brogues. I got a great pair of black brogues from Herring. And they're really comfortable, but classic style as well. Great combination. They've got this family heritage in England, but distribute the shoes worldwide and have offered listeners of the podcast a 10% discount at herringshoes.co.uk. Discount code is TED10, T-E-D, all capital letters, numerals one zero, and works on all full price shoes over 20 pounds. And uh, on the note of, of life stories, we're going to be discussing Mark Hopkins, Hoppo's in a second via wonderful book. But. If you're looking to maybe document the life story of a loved one of yours, mother, father, grandfather, grandmother, whoever it might be, you may be interested in atticboxaudio.co.uk, where I sit down with members of the public and just record in quality audio, all their anecdotes, their learnings, the key elements and events of their life. So that's at atticboxaudio.co.uk or drapermedia.co.uk. Right, on to the podcast now with big Mark Hopkins, wonderful, warm-hearted guy, bricklayer, American football pioneer in the UK, great player in that offensive lineman, also worked as a bouncer, father, husband, great guy, real powerful presence around Cheltenham. And here he is, the wonderful Mark Hoppo Hopkins. Mark Hopkins, Hoppo, welcome back to the podcast. Brilliant to see you. I've really enjoyed the book. I read it over Christmas and it was great to, to drop it off. An ordinary life, a little less Ordinary How much did you enjoy writing it?
1: Um, yeah, thank you for that first of all. Um, very much it, it was for me, it was the things I got from it that I didn't expect is the emotion that comes from it yeah um, bringing back memories, then researching those memories to make sure they were right um, was was exceptional, uh, remembering my father, um, who I lost in 2014 yes. Um, Remembering his inspiration to me and, and my grandmother, uh, how she taught me very important lessons in life and th- uh, that have stood me in very good stead. Mm. Um, um, my, you know, those lessons
0: I feel. So remembering those things. You say that she she's taught you hard work and, well, and, and she, balancing she, your budget living within your means.
1: Yes, my, my grandmother never had anything but never owed anybody anything. Mm. And she taught me the value of paying your bills on time. It was important to her, it mattered to her so it it what i'm trying to say about that is a responsible she, she took responsibility for how she lived her life and she didn't wait for it was important to her to do it properly and to be seen to be doing it properly even though she didn't have a prosperous wealthy life mm. but she understood the value of being doing the right thing and um i didn't understand that because i would i grew up with my father who was reasonably affluent reasonably comfortable lifestyle so my life was, was very different growing up. It was, I would go to my grandmother's house and it was a very small house and a, a different sort of a, an environment, very mm-hmm. loving, or she was, um, but I'd, the lessons I learned about take care of the pennies, make sure you pay your bills on time, it's important. Those kind of things stood me in great stead when I became a responsible adult, should we say, with children. Yeah, and I didn't know that.
0: Is it is it yeah. harder now? Do you think for people because the the way that the mass marketing works now, you're bombarded. <coughs> and People get lured into to spending beyond their I, means
1: more easily. I think so. Perhaps I I have.
0: You buy things on your phone, can't you? I have you? two I children.
1: That, I have two children that they're men now. They're 41 and 39 years old. I have grandchildren. Yeah. The desire to want, want, want all the time is is there because of I suppose the way things are are, are advertised. Yeah. Uh, there's so much out there. Um, It's
0: cuddly toys in every uh, shop, isn't it? I mean, just
1: simple things like my my daughter-in-law drives a, 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 she leases a car Mm. because it's more affordable than buying a car. I understand that. It's a reliable vehicle. It will never let her down. Not like some of the stuff I drove, (laughs) which, you know, were very unreliable, I mean, Terrible, terrible vehicle. But you got it
0: full of bricks, though. you probably Fail the lease. Why did you give it back? You, it you didn't have
1: those opportunities. Yeah. So that's a good example of of now. But there's other examples of temptation, and unless you're responsible, and it, and you can be responsible, which is very difficult with temptation, I get it. I I was I was a little different. I I mean, I came from. I, we always had plenty when I was a kid. I, I didn't know what it was like to, to have anything. I had everything yeah. I wanted. I could, we could do what we wanted. Um, but then as a, as a young man, 19, um, marrying very early, it, it was important to me to, to stand on my own two feet. I didn't want to get into debt. I didn't want... Now, you do. You, you Inevitably, you slip in here mor- and there. Mortgage, yeah. But I mean, you, you, I didn't want to get into debt. I couldn't control. I wanted to be responsible about it, understand it. And you didn't get a lot of help I mean, back in when I was a young man, sort of early eighties, late late seventies, early eighties, you didn't get a lot of help from there was there weren't any the, the banks would give you anything, pretty much. I mean, mm. you, you, they, the, certainly mortgages were a little irresponsible. Later on, there were lots of, lots of, different, lots of different systems came in to, to make sure that you could afford what you were borrowing and, and that. But in the early days,
0: it's if- Like twice your salary, wasn't it? In the, you, the yeah, board, but you, yeah. Could,
1: you could, for example, yeah. I was a self-employed builder. So if I could, t- I'd tell my accountant to, to well, how much did I, how much do I need? Well, yeah. I need to earn this much to be able to get that much so I can buy that house. Well, I didn't do that, but I know lots of people that did, and they end up in trouble. Yeah. So the due diligence from the banking or the mortgages. Oh, you mean cooking
0: the books a little bit? A little, yeah, yeah, just so
1: you can make the figures. Now, yes, that's your responsibility, and I understand you're wrong, but now that is checked. Yeah. And it's not just what you say, you have to prove it through inland revenue, um, um, uh, 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 your books, if you like, The, the, the returns, yeah. Um, self so, is always that distance, so, isn't there? Yeah. So that was that was a minefield back in back in when I was younger, but I didn't fall into it because I, you know, because a grandma really. If I'd listened to me father, I'd have fallen into it. But
0: well, yeah, but, and mortgage companies now can lend you five times your salary or whatever. Yeah. But actually, now people are seeing with the interest rates going up that that's becoming a different picture. Yeah. Well, those
1: things are all considered. I mean, I you know I I remember fifteen percent, fourteen and a half. Thirteen and a half percent tax was thirty-three percent on lower rate. So lower rate, right? a lot, of, a lot of younger, younger sort of thirty-somethings say that it was easy for us. Well, you know, twenty percent tax and and all the little, all, all the, all the incentives that are there now. I, I don't know if it was, but that's another no. conversation. You well,
0: know. Yeah, it's, it's different. It's different, isn't it? Different perspectives and different kind of. Um Aspects of life have maybe changed in in different ways, which comes out because the, the book's fantastic as a family study for you, but also for social history. because you, you see what Cheltenham, the town that we live in, is particularly was like in the seventies. But you go back to the northeast and your mum's side of the family, mm. and going back a hundred years plus. That was that was brilliant. One thing that that struck me was. Your introduction from Sammy Hammond, who I believe works for Rachel, your wife. Did, did, did so, Sam, the, the Sam did.
1: She's now on her own. She's doing very well, yeah. She's like a daughter to us. She's it, a it, lovely girl, but... She yeah. said,
0: she talked about your extreme honesty, which is a good yeah, intro to the yeah, book. because yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you're, you're very honest. How, what was that like? Because you talk about relationships, close relationships, family members, other people, obviously, in, in, in broader connections. But you're very candid about your wife and your love for her, but how... You had difficulties with keeping the money, and the budgets early on, having to move house. And mm. you, you talk about your sons and, and the challenges yeah. they faced, and your challenges with being a dad. It was really, really honest. I think I've heard mm. it, I've heard it described as radical candor before. I think that's Sammy, fair enough. Savvy yeah. called it extreme. I would. I would. I would. What was that like? That's not a criticism, by the way. That's actually just. I understand. A, yeah. That's a, that's a courage in a way for you to do that. But what was that process like? And if, if the family members read the book, and do they? Yeah, they feel I. About it? I have a. I have a. I have a slight. I
1: mean, it was fine for me it was fine I'm, I'm I'm an open book I'm what you see is what you get with yeah. me if you want to talk I'll talk about anything and everything I'm incredibly proud of my wife she's my a whole inspiration in life she's she's you know we met very young and she was like the cute little one that you couldn't take your eyes off you <laughs> know and and then and then but there was substance to that and 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 she had a belief she was strong and 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 I, I admired her for that and um she did what she wanted to do and yeah. she wanted to do it within reason, she wasn't breaking the law or anything, but she just having fun and, But you and, had to go
0: against her parents a little bit, didn't you? Um, you well, that, that, and... was,
1: that, was, that, that was difficult because, unfortunately, um, Rachel and I had a date set to be married in, um, in 1983. We'd been courting since about 78, mid 78. Mm. Um, we, we, you know, I proposed to her, I asked her father for her hand. I went, I then proposed to Rachel, did everything the right way, everything was great. Her mother was. We all got on great, fabulously, and then my, Rachel and I returned from a trip to go overseas. To we just finished our apprenticeships. My father, mother, and father were in Hong Kong. Yeah. Father based uh, working for government communications, so we, he said, "Look, come over, visit." So you know, he sent me a couple of tickets, and I. It was a great trip for us, and we had we had nearly three months over there. Or or just short of that, when we while we were there, we thought well, Rachel's developed this little bit of a bump. <laughs> we thought, wow. And, yes. and it's, it, I mean, the story's in the book. She went to the doctors before we went away and Dr. Anthony, this is difficult to believe for some people, I get it, but Dr. Anthony suggested it was a cyst and it would just do... Really? It would just grow and and then and just dilute the, the, in natural way. Yeah. So we thought, okay, well, that cyst is now 41 years old and six foot six <laughs> and, and living a, a reasonably happy life. Yeah. Um, Stephen... Um, um, uh, so you, 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 people would think, wow, really? But you put your trust in doctors. We were quite young and naive. Yeah. Of course, of course, um, anyway, we come back from Hong Kong. Rachel's got this little bump. We had our suspicions. Ray goes to the doctors. Next thing we know, she's pregnant. We go home and tell Rosemary and Tom, Rachel's mother and father. Next thing I know, I'm enemy number one from Rosemary's point of view, my mother-in-law. And yeah. that was incredibly difficult for me. 19, just been told my girlfriends were pregnant, um, I've got... Yeah, some, we're It's the modern one, isn't it? I don't well, know how you we're feel pregnant, yeah, <laughs> I always felt we were pregnant, it was <laughs> yeah. never, it, Rachel was actually physically pregnant, but yeah, you commit, you know, you I, I was it. part of the team, you yeah. know. Uh, so, okay, so wow, I couldn't, I was shell-shocked a bit by that, and, and really some horrible, horrible things my mother-in-law said to me, and um, I have no qualms about discussing this, um, she's not here now. It, uh, I'm not talking behind her back. I've said this to her. We've yeah. discussed this many times. She was incredibly difficult. Um, it, it didn't matter to Rachel and I because we were we were together. We were going to move on with our lives. But it's very difficult when you're young, nineteen. Your mother and father eight thousand miles away. Mm. Don't have any support other than on the telephone. So so and you've got you've got that kind of uh, grief, if you like, um, being told that you're—I was a good person. You know, I was a good person. I was a good man. I—I—I I, I did the right things. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm enemy number one. I'm, and I'm being told I'm—I'm—I won't actually say what she said, but it was horrible.
0: And was that just when you talked to her about it? Did she say why was it? No, just she fear, never. Fear she for, she never. She
1: would always. She would always. Nev- she would. She would never approach that. <laughs> um, yeah. She would never. She never apologized for it. I never forgave her for it. I moved on, yeah, and I built a relationship with her. But she was an incredibly prickly woman, at best. N- did did, did that firstly well help
0: you forge this this bond with Rachel? That's <sighs> lasting life? lifetime. A little bit, yeah. I suppose.
1: Us against the world, that kind of thing. But but that was never an issue. Mm. Rachel Rachel loved her loved her father dearly, and he was he was a good a good man, a, a really good man. But I use the word chinless. He, he was spineless. He couldn't deal with Rosemary. Mm. Um, he was a very uh, uh, he wasn't a stupid he was how do I don't know simple he wasn't stupid simple he was just a simple man didn't wanted what, to live his life as simple no no he yeah. wouldn't stand up to to his wife but not many people could and <laughs> i think she found that intimidating because i did yeah and i always did mm. um, now again we built a relationship and and she i you know did i love her i, I suppose i i respected her because she worked hard and and she was good with our children with yeah. our with her grandchildren and and but she never apologized for the things she said and i'd never forgotten them and i never will and and that's that sums me up in a in a nutshell i think if you you can I, I'm, I'm a very tolerant man and 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 i'm appreciative of other people's views and and i try to be objective in life but if you are that nasty to a point where you won't accept that then I'm kind of done with you yeah in this case I couldn't be because it's no. my mother-in-law
0: yeah well um, that's a that's a challenge for people isn't it because how did, how did you difficult. navigate that daily you just well it's,
1: it's difficult you know you you <clears throat> I I would we we weren't and we weren't allowed um we weren't allowed to visit for five six months you know really? and then this is this is right I mean up until Stephen was born mm. our eldest was born we weren't allowed to visit so and,
0: he, he thawed the ice a bit did he
1: well, she she, Rosemary wouldn't come to the house. Tom would come along on his bike after work, and he wouldn't. Don't tell, don't tell, don't tell Rosemary I've been round, You know this <laughs> kind of thing. But it it didn't matter to Ray and I. We it was us. It was our life. Yeah. It, it it really didn't matter to Rachel. Although she was, I'm sure she was disappointed in her mother, but certainly didn't matter to me. I I I didn't care. I it was us against the world, side by side. You know. So your father-in-law, and, uh,
0: Tom, he. You say he was a kind man and was very kind. Come man, visit. Very loving. What, what was your takeaway from from that experience? You said he was kind of subservient to to her I think in a way I th- that he wouldn't stand up. So you think a good person, someone who does the right thing, is kind, but also when the time is needed, you stand up for people. Is that? Is well, that you the have to be. You think? You ha-
1: yeah. yeah, you can't. I think you have to be strong and, and you can't hide. Tom, unfortunately, went with Rachel in her cancer much late later. Would would hide behind. Um, being scared and frightened would mm-hmm. not would not go and see Rachel in hospital would would struggle to come and see her if did, if for example when she didn't have any hair she'd wear wigs yeah but he couldn't visit if she didn't have a wig on he I remember he would he would call to say, have you are you are you okay everything dressed yeah you've got <laughs> everything right before he'd come in Now Rachel needed her dad yeah at times and he wasn't there for her and she, she's not overly concerned about that, but it bothered me.
0: Mm. So being uncomfortable is important, isn't it, sometimes in life? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I think Tom... That comes from sport as well, maybe. I don't know whether playing American football I don't is
1: a I think, Tom, I think Tom, was a, Tom was a nomad, really. He, he didn't settle down until he was 30, brought up by Catholic nuns in a, in a very difficult workhouse environment. Yeah. So I think... He, I don't think he ever thought he would f- achieve happiness or children yeah. in his life, and I think Rosemary was the price he had to pay for that. Mm. And I think he was happy to do that. Now they loved each other, and he adored her, but I think she was a price that he paid because he would always he was always two three paces behind her, never walked side by had side. Might have some
0: pretty tough women in that that upbringing as well. In the, the well, the, the, I mean, the, the nuns. I,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, it was. I mean, you only yeah, you some tales don't you? They I mean, exactly. Yes, yeah, we soft. we listen to the stories. I, I'm not gonna. i I don't know. I wasn't. But we listen to you you. you Movies like Wilhelmina and things like that. You see some things that, and you read some stories and you, mm. you know, historical events that went on. And, and Tom would tell his own stories about, about the, the brutality, if you like, from these, yeah. these, these women. Um, and, and oh, you know, he, he, he didn't know any difference. So it's, but he ran away. At 13, 14 years old, he ran away. And he was just kind of roaming the streets doing... It wasn't a tramp, but he would roam from town to town, finding work. That's how he met Rosemary. He walked down the down the uh, hill into Le Camp, into Charlton Kings, to the Lilybrook Hotel, and she was on the on the <laughs> desk. And um, the rest is history, as they say. It's amazing, you know. isn't it? Then Rachel came from well, that you, yeah, sliding doors, I that, suppose. Yeah. But then, then, and the irony of it all is that Rachel, Rachel was born in the March. Um, Rosemary and Tom were married at the end of September, oh, the okay. year before. Oh, okay. so, so there's maybe, an irony in that, isn't there? Why maybe didn't... there's
0: a self-consciousness that came out in the anger well, from, Rachel, uh, from Rachel's mum. Ra- yeah.
1: Rachel seems to think that Rachel's mother was envious of Rachel because she had a loving mm. husband and man who treated her as an equal and didn't need to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, we took care of each other and whether Rosemary could do that or not i mean i don't know this is my wife's opinion, mm. but they were the, the, you know that their circumstance was the same much earlier, so you know you you had no choice really in 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 their time in the six early sixties um so but i i thought that was odd you know you'd think there'd be a little more understanding yeah. and especially Rosemary was not a bad judge of character, so she should have understood that i was not a i wasn't you know i'd had a I was a different sort of guy. I wasn't your typical. I wasn't going to run away. I wasn't running away and hiding. I was there. Right. Come on. Let's, let's get on with it. Yeah. And it wasn't the, doing the right thing because we were already engaged to be married. Um, it was. And it wasn't about having a big wedding. I, I don't. I didn't. I wanted to be. I wanted to show Rachel that what she meant to me and how. We were going to get on with the rest of our lives, and I didn't care who was at my wedding. I didn't care where I got married, but I had to be. I wanted to be committed to Rachel by being married. Yeah, and that mattered to me. I didn't want a son or child born out of wedlock. Not because I'm religious, because I wanted to show my commitment to Rachel, and 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 I wanted her to show her commitment to me. And I I'm astonished by people now, even that feel that it has to be about the great big wedding. Mm. Wonderful, I would have loved that. I'd have loved my mother and father at my wedding. I would have loved to have had a nice wedding, but not at the expense of getting on the property ladder or moving on with your life.
0: It's what it signifies. It's just the commitment to To me, it's that
1: warm, cozy sort of blanket that keeps you warm at night and shows a commitment and makes you a family, not a couple. Yeah. And um, now I, I understand people, people get divorced. Of course they do. Mm. People grow apart. I'm not a genius at, at picking, Rachel's not a genius at picking a man or a, yeah. a, a woman, you know. There's an element of luck, but we work at it. Yeah. We've worked at it for a long time. I'm incredibly lucky um, because I've, she's, she's exceptional. For me, and I've said this publicly to, to many, <laughs> many times, it's like I won the lottery when she said she'd marry me. Yeah. Because although I didn't know it, at the time, I thought I'd be. So what,
0: what is the key to that? And do you think it's, because people, people look at how their partner, when they're young, how they look, how they make them feel, but is it about just her being a good person? Is that the key, that, Trust, trusting that. her to be, to be good and consistent? Yeah, and, if you like. But also,
1: I mean, all that, all that stuff kind of, I mean, we all get, you know, we, I still fancy Rachel you know, I still do, but but she's, she's, you know, she's not, I'm not what I was. Of course we're not. We get older, but all that kind of malarkey stuff kind of drifts by the wayside and you grow together. And she's my best friend. And I've, we've allowed each other to become each other's best friend because we've, I've never, I've not taken her for granted. I try to do, I try to, we involve each other in everything we do.
0: Yeah,
1: I've always done that. Um, I, I used to talk about, um, when I was younger, I used to talk, when, when the kids grow up and move on, um, they move on with their lives. Now, for example, my boys are very important to me and, and I'll do anything for them,
0: mm.
1: within reason. <laughs> but the single most important thing to me in my life when my boys left home was my wife. Sure. And, and I think that's where people get it wrong because there are families that I know now, I see couples now that, their, their, their kids are in their mid thirties, forties, and, and they're more important to them than their partners.
0: Mm. And, and they don't know each other maybe because they've yeah, not, not kept in touch. That's so those, a those, great those, example
1: yeah. of of it. They, they're, they're all of a sudden, the, the whole focal point of their life, bringing their children up, is they're moving on with their lives. Yeah. And, and maybe some mums and dads feel um, sort of left behind a little, where I didn't. I, I learned that from my dad that, that, you know, my dad said to me, well, you're off now, you're on your way. I'm always here. And um, if you need any help, you've just got to ask. I won't always give it. I'll, I'll offer you advice. I'll, I'll do the best I can for you. But you've got to make your way in the world now. Yeah. It's now Viv and
0: I. Well, and he, wrote, he I... wrote a powerful letter to you in the book on it when, oh, he, was, wonderful, when he was passing yeah, away. And he, it, but he referenced yeah. you being independent from, from boyhood because you said to him, It's my bed, I'll make it the way that, yeah. that I want to, which was kind of a metaphor for, that was, for life as well.
1: That was difficult. I, I, I battled with that one. Do I? He didn't tell me that it was private. Mm. He—it was his letter to me. As I said, he wrote letters to all his, to his his daughter and his, to all the people that mattered to him um, in his family, and they were personal and private. Yeah. But he never said, "Look, you know, you don't have to show it to people." But it was a difficult, a difficult one to. You know, do I publish that? And then I thought, yeah, I, I, I want people to understand what he was—the sort of man he was. Yeah. A little bit, and and the fact that. I didn't do it because I wanted to beat my chest and say, look, I'm the greatest. Because I'm not. But I wanted him to understand what he was and how he thought about things. How he influenced and, you as well. And also how it influenced me. And, and and he understood that and respected that. Yeah.
0: And and Well, his his words actually just in the short letter, which is a powerful, powerful piece of writing, the message to you, but actually you could see Looking at your writing around it, how much influence—just the way you communicate—was yeah. similar to to his as well. He was well. a good
1: man. He he was a good man, and I um I get a little bit upset thinking about him now. But um, that's big, isn't it? He him? was my role model. You know, yeah. he he taught me how to. He taught me. he? He taught me how to love my wife. Not love my wife. He taught me how to love my wife. How to take care of my wife. How to take care of a, a, of your your wife and your responsibility. Taught me how to be objective and how, yeah. how to, to reason with people and you know those things those things in in life I was a I was a doorman a, a bouncer if you like yeah 15 years and I used to get proper tough guys around town used to wander away from the door I was working on after me not letting them in and they would say things to me like you're one you're all right you are you're one of us you are <laughs> now they would say it a little differently to that but yeah those lessons i learned from my dad i was I being honest with people. these people yeah how to deal with all the different types and yeah. i didn't have that coming home from singapore when i was younger i hadn't i didn't have that i wasn't used to that i, w- I was brought up in a different environment but th- those yeah. lessons if you like and and not not um loyalty if you like you know yeah. and 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 i mean dad was dad used to love spending money i mean he he had a good <laughs> job and he, he so he's his philosophy was I remember he'd always say that the last cheque he ever wrote, he wanted to banks. The, the reason behind that was he wanted to live his life. Yeah. And he didn't. I mean, he was he's very comfortably off, if you like. But um, If you're waiting for that
0: inheritance, then it's not what you want to do. He, well, <laughs> he, yeah,
1: I mean, he left a few quid behind, but, but he, he lived a great life. He had a great time. Good. And it, 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 I didn't learn those things from him. I learned those things from my grandmother, from his mother. Mm. Um, but, but, this um, is,
0: but we were talking about this on the, just a chat before we started recording about the power of... Personal role models in a, in a day and age where people mm. can look on their phone at all these so-called you know superstars or, or people who look glossy lives on the internet, but actually, what are the real things that you can learn from is often the people around you, isn't it? And it's powerful to just look at what they've done mm. and, and try and try and take that to heart because it's more it's a, it's, a, it's a map that you can read and understand. I think I think um,
1: yes, I think so. And 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 you know, it's not about it's not about what how big your house is or what sort of car you drive. It's about Somebody, somebody that's lived a, su- a successful life is somebody that's happily married, that, is, that, is, that has paid their bills on time and, and been responsible in their life and, and, and live, tried to do the right thing most yeah. of the time. It's, not, it's impossible to be perfect, of course it is. But there are those out there that will, will look to others for blame before they look within themselves. And I've never understood that. I've, I've always been taught especially from my grandmother look to yourself before you look to others to blame so what could i do i mean i remember leaving leaving a house our second house we bought our second house too soon in our life and we had some issues financially um my wife was dealing with the bills yeah i was out working all the time so i remember i remember getting annoyed when i sort of found long story short but you find out there's a bit of debt there we got to deal with it and I was annoyed. I was annoyed with my wife. Why, what, what's going on? Why couldn't you tell me? To the point where I thought, God, she don't love me anymore. Silly stuff. I was 23, 24 years old.
0: Mm. But then but I remember... She was trying to protect you or trying to give you another. Nice yeah, life. then yeah. I
1: remember the lessons that it's, are, ah, it's not about Rachel. I'm responsible for this as well. Yeah. You know, you've got to look to yourself. And it was ridiculous of me to, to try to blame somebody else. And I didn't. And I went about, we went about dealing with it. And we got into... Some issues because a little bit a little bit irresponsible from us, so we learned a lesson there, but also some irresponsible lending and some some difficult issues with 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 a bank specifically but mm. but that was dealt with um
0: that's important, is it? Like using the word the pronoun "we" is important to to the well, conversations yeah, yeah. at home to maintain a, a relationship. Yes, yeah, it is, yeah. Rather and than the, "you did this" or.
1: I mean, uh, we had a we had. You know, when you when I when you first got gotta find these things, you, the, the 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 big thing to me was why didn't you tell me? Yeah. You know, why didn't you tell me? Well, I didn't bother you. I, I've got it under control. We're dealing with it. And she did to a degree, mm. but it was fairly apparent that it wasn't right and we needed to adjust, adjust it
0: it's difficult for a mum as well because you want to give the yeah. best life to your boys and stuff like that well,
1: listen I was six 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 and a half, probably six six and a half days a week mm. and I was three nights a week on a, on a nightclub door and when I'd come home I'd take the kids I'd come home sort of six o'clock take the kids have a shower take the kids out for an hour give her a little bit of time off yeah. come back I'm on the door by our past eight three nights a week and the other times I'm sleeping. So she's <laughs> yeah. not bothering me with, oh, listen, we've had this bill or that's our due or that. We need yeah. that. And stupid stuff. You, we used to have to pay tax twice a year as a self-employed man. And if you've, got a, if you've got a situation where your car is broken down, for example, and you can't go to work and earn a living, and you have a certain amount of money sat in a tax account, yeah, and you don't have any money in your bank account, you're <laughs> going to fix your car with what you have. Yeah. And um, that kind of stuff,
0: which, which, did, which did, is... It's deductible, but you'd still have to pay some what tax. What Rachel yeah. needed
1: to do was say, look, I've pinched from Peter, we got to pay, I've yeah. pinched from Peter to pay Paul, we've got to pay that back. Yeah. But then it, it's also incumbent on me to understand, oh, that's interesting, we just have to do that like that. <laughs> and I can't be, you know, so I had to take responsibility for that, which we did, and then you move on. It was a, it was a small issue, um, but it was one that we learnt the
0: lesson quite quickly from that, it, you know. One of the things you talk about, really honestly, is, is Stephen, your big boy's mm. mental health challenges, and you talked about that. And I just wonder, because there is a social cultural history to this. You talked about how life was, how life is now. Mm. Whether the things, because you point, you sort of mention hypothetically. I wonder what would have happened if he'd found a good woman and a good life partner. Yeah. How important is that do you think people are missing that social connection is that why with the mental about Mm. mental health epidemic or has it always been there and we're talking about it more now i don't know what's your take on that i think
1: um i think there's more pressure i think obviously with medicine and with with education and with treatments there's more it's a modern world and there's more you find more reasons for people to have things wrong with them yeah there's always been mental health issues i think but um it's it it's difficult because there's a stigma attached to it, which I fell into with my son. Mm. My, my oldest son was a, was a, a smashing young man and, and young kid, was always excitable, but was a, was a smashing young toddler, little boy, big boy, you know, <laughs> young man, up until 28 years old, he had a breakdown. Mm. Um, I didn't understand that because my attitude to it was, it, it, you pull yourself together. What's the matter with you? Come on, what, 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 pull yourself together, son. What your, what you're doing? Didn't understand that a brain, your brain can be broken, chemistry can is be damaged. Wrong, yeah. Didn't understand that. Um, my wife did to a degree. I stuck me head in the sand a little bit. Yeah. And I let him down um, for a few years, and and I can't change that. Um, I did. I supported him the best way I could. I just didn't have a relationship with him because I couldn't understand it. It, it was how he was um how he his breakdown it was he had a he had a breakdown that went that led to some drug abuse Mm -hmm. that he got himself out of yeah uh, with, with the help of my wife but he got himself out of that and credit to him he now lives he's been diagnosed now with with the issues he has and he lives a different life he he's not allowed to work yeah. Um Do you think those
0: issues were always there, or has it just been uh, s- Well, sparked? yeah. My
1: wife seems to think they were. I, I don't see it. I didn't see it. I'm not yeah. saying they weren't. not didn't see it. He was, he was a, an active child. Um, in his a career, active played, played um uh, in like sport did. played was very, very like Played for his was very a, as a youth player, was part as of a European All-Star programme and spent time in, in in the NFL camps in America, youth camps, youth for, 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 for uh, development programs. Yeah. was an exceptional player, but was always was always looking for reassurance in everything he did. I thought that was strange because he was exceptional.
0: Yeah.
1: And I thought, why? why you, you must know. And you've and you you know. given
0: him a loving home for, to come Yeah, from, so and, he, and I coached no reason, him a little bit. No reason and, for that.
1: And, but I, you know, my attitude to coaching him was I, he was my son playing for the british team i'm a coach on the british program i can't show any favoritism so i've got to be quite hard yeah now i wasn't any harder on him than i was anyone else but i wasn't any
0: softer but, but, but me. maybe you don't need that from your dad that's the problem isn't it i suppose well, maybe you need a different relationship with i think, with your I think
1: dad. Where, the, where what i did was i didn't in the down times between being a coach yeah. i didn't um, i didn't be a dad in that environment and i should have done perhaps because you you know i should have recognized what he needed well,
0: it's, it's also difficult as well. It's probably difficult when the, the the baby's the same same gender as you in a way because with my daughter, and my wife's talked about this. Has said, I've said to her like, you know, my daughter wants you to be creative and role play and all. I said, oh, it's so easy for my dad. He just go out in the back garden and kick a ball Ooh. around. And it was, and she'll do that now as well. She, I'm coaching a bit of football at her school, but my wife is always part of it. Is realizing you're, she's not the same as you. She might have ingredients that in you, but it's that yeah. as a parent, how important is that to realize and try and figure out this this new person in your life who you're so connected to but does yeah. see the world a different way than you it's it's in, especially if you have i think it,
1: both two sons whose dad is a larger than life character who's is well known quite well liked yeah you know very active in the so, social environments um i'm 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 very confident in a social environment um like to have a giggle yeah. a bit of fun so they've got to follow that now they do i suppose i i I had the same issue with my father issues the wrong word i had the same inspiration if you like from my father um the boys had this would have to deal with that Mm. but i think in sport both of them were were exceptional players um in the british environment and i I suppose it's difficult One one of the one of the best things for me one of the best moments in my life as a sportsman in sport was when my two sons were referred to when I was referred to as Stephen and Sean's dad. Yeah. they were not referred to as Mark Hopkins' sons. Yeah, and in, in American football circles, that that was massive for me because it within that environment in Britain, it, it's like everybody knows who we are. Yeah, everybody knows me. Within that, in even in Europe, in American football, everybody knows who Stephen and Shaun are, or, or should do if they know the game. Sure. So to be referred to as their dad was great because now it's the, about them. But I don't think Stephen was ever able to be confident in being Stephen Hopkins.
0: Would it been easier if he'd done another different sport? Cause he, he played well at rugby. He was, was, was decent rugby. Like,
1: yeah. he, good basketball player. He a he, yeah. very good basketball player, and he he probably could have done all right at that. Um, mm. I, I don't know about the the levels that he achieved in. American another football. American sport. It's interesting. Well, he was it? good. Yeah. He was a good basketball player. He, he really was, and. and um, sean was more um was more of a rugby player he he again he he could have developed he was a county rugby player um uh, england youth were looking at him and he'd do a few training sessions but it it's incredibly difficult when you're a young man trying to grow up you do you do you do you, do you focus on sport forever yeah. um do you focus on you look at soccer players i mean you're you're heavily involved in soccer in in, in And the presenting that you do, you see Mm. so many academies that release kids that think they're going to... The
0: model now is big, warm, sort of arms around the whole community. Mm. You get all these people into the academy, but that means that 99.9% of people are being released at at 15, 16, and then having to figure out what to do, have that dream.
1: So that, see, see, those kids haven't lived their life, perhaps. They're they're so focused on trying to be football players, soccer players. Um, their identity, with, yeah. with Sean and I, always I always encouraged Sean and Stephen to enjoy their sport and, and make a decision. Um, but if you make a decision to go for it and do the best you can at it, then you've got to understand that it's eat, sleep, repeat; mm. eat, sleep, train, repeat; eat, sleep, train, repeat. You can't be socialising with your friends. You can't be out till two o'clock in the morning um, and then get up and practice and train and then be in the right place and be in the right frame of mind. And because
0: um, you compete against. Presumably if you try get to get the NFL, you know, well, millions of uh, kids in the States as I well. think it's.
1: I think both of my boys could have gone to college in the States and done well. They would have probably played Division I college football. Yeah. But the NFL is a different cat kind of fish altogether. And that's very... Yeah. W- 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 we'll never know. But they were certainly able to go... And, in fact, they had... Stephen had a couple of offers. Um, uh, smaller Division I colleges, but top-level football. Yeah. Um, scholarships. Um, he he wasn't right for it, he wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't right for him and I don't think he wanted to do it. Um, Go abroad. Um, no, I, yeah, he, it, so he, when we discussed it, you know, eyes were about this big, but then when we discussed what, what it involves, he changed his opinion about it and wasn't for him mm-hmm. and I admired him for that. Sean was just, was never interested in it. Sean wanted to well, Sean initially went to drama school for a year, but, but then, then decided he wanted to be a bricklayer. So that's yeah. a big difference. But he, he made that decision. I'm going to play sport. I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I don't want to be that guy that, 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 that misses out with all, you know, I want to go be social. I want to have my friends. I want to work hard. I want to get on with my life and yeah. I don't want to risk everything to maybe be a rugby player for yeah. Gloucester or something like that. Um, and I admired him for that because they made conscious decisions. And they, they then went on to play, play, they got in great shape and they played to a very high standard.
0: Is there something with your, your career, obviously you got paid at times playing American football, mm. but actually it was the, the Brick Lane was the, the main financial yeah. career. But do you yeah. look back and think there is a positive outcome of that? Because you look at particularly soccer, football, whatever you call it, globally, the amount of money that these players are getting, often players who aren't mm. even at the top of the game are getting made to be millionaires, but maybe mm. that's removing them from society. Maybe they're not learning the character-building stuff, the the Sort of moral things, but well, I mean, they are but, they
1: are wrapped up, aren't they? Yeah, they are, they are sort of shelled, but you know, they're in they, they live in these cocoons, I suppose. But you then, but
0: you learnt the sort of the purity of sport in a way. The, it's the different for me. Started. I mean,
1: I you know, I was I didn't I started playing, I love sport and I played sport recreationally, yeah. And I, I was good at some things and not others. I was a great swimmer, I was a really good badminton player as a, as a youth, so where would that take you? I don't know, but mm. the dedication to go every day wasn't for me. Mm. I wanted a Different things. I got bored with swimming. I got bored with, you know, 14, 15 years old training and, and just the environment wasn't right. Didn't mm. want it. Badminton. I was good. I loved it. I couldn't. I, teachers couldn't beat me. You know, <laughs> I was great at it because I did it, played it at, at school, and I was big and quick feet and all these kind of things. That. But where was I going to go with that? Okay, if you're going to if you're going to maybe be an Olympian it's so much effort and and hard work um, which I wasn't frightened of but I just it, it, I didn't have the dedication so marriage came early in my life it's two or three years earlier than I thought so the, then you have to get on with that and you that's so you still play sport for recreation American football came into my life again uh, it was an interesting I saw an advert in a in a, it was in The Citizen and then another one in the Cheltenham Echo that said about, you know, you've seen it on TV, come yeah. and have a go. It's a sport that was kind of made for you, wasn't it, physically? So. Well,
0: yeah, I didn't know that. I just yeah. show. Up, I thought, wow, it's
1: interesting, <laughs> let's go and have a go. Again, because I thought about things a little differently. I didn't play rugby at school. I'd loved soccer, but I wasn't very good because yeah. I didn't play it at school. I, I ended up being a goalkeeper because I was big. Hmm. But I loved the game. Um, so, but I went and played this and I thought, wow. I, I, then well, all of a sudden, you... A year or two's gone by, and 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 I was first generation American football player in Britain. So I showing up in in parks, recreational sort of parks in, like they were all over the country. You've got kids with crash helmets on and hockey hats hmm. and stuffing padding under their, you know, sponge padding under their yeah. t-shirts and wrapping their football socks over their tracksuits to look like gridiron players. And it was as, it was as basic as that in the start, but then it gets more and more organized. Then you get some Americans involved uh, live, working on bases, working here, and then it's on TV. So now all of a sudden you get to, you go from 1984 to 1986, 87, organized structured leagues, mm. good athletes, Olympic level athletes playing this game because no professional rugby. Yeah,
0: so it's true, yeah. Yeah. so
1: where, are they, where are these big men finding their way to play? Mm. My sorry. My right. point about that is that it, you just get dragged along with it. Yeah. And who knew? I was good at it. Good time. I didn't know I was good at it. I was just good at it. And then all of a sudden, you, it, I suppose again, sliding indoors, You, I played for a team. Um, I went. I went for a. There was a. There was a professional uh, outfit going to set up a league in Europe. I go along to that. I get picked. Um,
0: so you would have left Brick Lane at that point.
1: I, yeah, I get offered a contract. It, it's, a, it's a league in 1989 called the International League of American Football. Yeah. Based in Europe. The idea is split 50 50 Americans and, and Brits, aimed at the, the sort of uh, semi professional level, but not the NFL because you can't cope with that. Aimed at sort of college level of, of play. Yeah. So there's an opportunity to earn a living playing sport. So I, I, get, I go to tryouts, so I get selected. I'm in the States practicing, 1990 this is, I'm getting ready with coaches and with different people and all of a sudden there's an announcement by the, the NFL that the World League is going to set up in 1991. Mm. Now, the NFL is very powerful. Yeah, and, um, brand recognition and all yes. that stuff. And so the ILAF sponsors drop out of it, falls apart. But fair enough, you know, that, that, that kind of thing happens. I'm devastated by that. Wow, I got an opportunity. I'm 29 years old. I got an opportunity to be a professional. Wow. And then that's taken away. And then a year, seven, eight months go by, the, the guy that's coaching me in the States that picks me to play in the ILAF gets a job with the World League mm. and all of a sudden wants me to be part of that, part of his team. And I, I didn't want to do it. because a completely different concept. Um, all Americans, all fringe players from the NFL, like a reserve NFL yeah. league, yeah. And fair enough. But I didn't really want to be part of that. And he said, look, uh, Jim Crino's name, uh, he said, come over, spend some time, see where it takes you. And I said, look, coach, I, you know, I'm 30 now. I'm, I mean, this is... And he said, you can do it. You just don't know you mm. can do it. He said, you've got the athletic ability. You, he didn't talk about how big and strong I was. He didn't talk about how big my chest was and how much I could bench <laughs> yeah, press.
0: Yeah, 50, 54-inch chest, is what, it? What, yeah, yeah. Well, what I
1: loved about... What he saw was what I could be. He talked about my change of direction skills, mm. my ability, my quick feet, my agility, my balance. What's he talking about? I'm mm. thinking. But it intrigued me. I loved what he thought I could be. And I wanted to explore that. Mm. And I had an opportunity, which, which I took. Um, I was a practice, at best, I was a practice squad player. I was really his project. Yeah. Because he liked me.
0: It was a sort of race yeah. against time physically when well, you were thirty well. Were,
1: there was two or three of us that went over from yeah. this country. A fellow called, uh, another fellow that was from Norwich, Norwich Way, from Norfolk Way. He went on to have a very good career in, in, in the World League, in the NFL Europe League, then on in Canada. And another young man from Leicester who was a very good athlete who who enjoyed that little bit of time. And, and I, I loved the time I spent with with that team mm. because it taught me, I mean, I didn't earn a lot of money. Um, but but I was okay it was okay be away from but home I, yeah I missed being away from home I didn't like that at all and but I loved the fact that no one no one treated you any different in the program you had the superstar quarterback <laughs> where, our guy was a fellow called Archer we went on to play for the Philadelphia Eagles and he was he was a great guy and n- no one in the program would treat us any differently yeah. whether it was some third fourth string backup practice squad dude from England or Mr Archer you know the superstar <laughs> Um, Dave Dewison was another guy, not Durison, um, um, that went on to play. Ir- Irvin Fryer was another guy that went on to play. That, that the great players that that did very well in the NFL. Yeah. But you, you Dedrick Dodge was another one that was a San Francisco Forty Nine. I won the Super Bowl. I still talk to Dedrick uh, now occasionally when when I go to California. And he was a safety. Um, but they went on. But I, I, you know, share a field with those guys, and and you you that that's. You know, your eyes are this big. So, yeah, and, and he did make, he, 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 I mean, I remember my first session practice. I, I, I come up out of a three-point stance, go to block a 320-pound defensive tackle who's playing defensive end, so yeah. it's not his normal position. I, cut, I snap up, and I think I got him, and he's like a yard behind me. <laughs> and I thought I was quick. Mm. So within a week, week and a half, I'm on him. I'm dealing with him. Yeah. Now, that's because the coach was right. I, I didn't, did. I just didn't know I could do it. Yeah. He knew I could because he saw the athletic ability and I was very coachable. And I loved that. So I, I'd spent some time there and I enjoyed that. It helped me massively later on in my career when I became a coach. Mm. Uh, because I, you know, I came home from there and went on to play in a in a European semi professional league. I was paid, but I was still a bricklayer. I come back to bricklaying. Yeah. Which um, is tough
0: to train and play and, and do yeah, manual labor. Yeah, it?
1: it was. But it was. Um, it was it was okay i mean it was i enjoyed it to be honest with you very much it it didn't have as much fun as i did playing locally when i was playing in gloucester and then swindon yeah um but but the the level when you go you would we would report to a manchester hotel manchester airport hotel friday more, friday evening friday sometimes friday morning but friday afternoon evening usually a saturday morning flight somewhere in europe so you fly yeah. to berlin and you fly to Mid, uh, stockholm or amsterdam or madrid wherever you're playing You'd be, you, know, you you were, you were a professional for at that time, and it was great. You'd get tamed, you get, you, you we'd never go through normal customs. We'd always go through a specific area of customs because uh, we were sportsmen. That's cool. And and we were just told where to be, what to do, so how again, to it do. Got a status. It, it was great fun. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. And it, it, Berlin, especially Hamburg, you know, thirty, thirty, thirty-five thousand people in <sighs> these stadiums. So for a for a bricky, that's quite special. <laughs>
0: What you th- with the brick lane, did it take away from your your physical prowess, or did it add to it? Do you think the the conditioning of carrying bricks? Did you? I think um, did you try and carry them extra quick when you are training.
1: I think, and stuff? Uh, I, think a, I think a coach said to me, uh, "You've got you got farmer strength." Yeah, this is an American coach talking about farmer. What he meant was you have really good core strength, and and the, your ability to balance and use your core mm. is what what gives you. What you have, so we need to get your feet moving quicker and get you get you using your peripherals. So they didn't have to train my core. Where if you're if you work in an office or you're a whatever, you don't have that core. The construction gave me that core strength because it's a physical job. It's endurance
0: strength. You're doing it all day. Sorry, I'm I'm, not. I don't
1: mean to. Um, Yeah, that gives you the core strength. So so then you it's quite easy to condition around that. Mm. You go from you go from I mean I was bench pressing 100 um, 100 kilograms. Yeah. You, we, we, they used to they used to test you in terms of how many how many reps you could get. Yeah. So I would be up around start off I'd be up around natural strength would be 18 20.
0: 18 reps 18 on kilograms. 18 to
1: 20 but <laughs> then you'd go like I would go from that within within a period of 3 or 4 months of training properly to thirty six, thirty eight reps, which is incredible. Really, it's very yeah, strong. Yeah, most people can't even lift hundred. It's kilos, very strong. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very strong. And you would, we we'd work on explosive power. So we would, we would do lots of, um, lots of explosive like reps. Like low, so low
0: rep stuff or like heavy weight, but
1: being explosive. So yeah. you would you would cl- a lot of cleans. Like yeah. if you when you when you see a weightlifter lift, they'll clean the, the 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 weight up to their chest. We never bothered lifting above heads, but it, that that that. Explosiveness of cleaning it up to your chest, yeah. um, or or whichever way that is, I don't I don't quite know. I'm not a weightlifter, but mm. the explosiveness was great. And because if you're especially if you're big like I am, yeah. we're never going to be runners <laughs> or cyclists. Really, we're we, we're good at the big stuff. And and I was good at pushing sleds and pushing cars and and, and, and lifting heavy weight. I was good at that. Uh, um, so when you when that's celebrated. And then you play a sport where all you've got to do is push big things around and move them. Yeah. And, and you, within reason, you get to do things where being a man is not all about um, being a tough guy. But if you're sometimes playing a sport where you get to be physical
0: mm.
1: against someone else within the rules.
0: get so out of your system.
1: It's, it, well, a little bit. And, and the rules of this game... If I did that to someone in the street I'd get arrested <laughs> and I can do that within the rules of the game on, now it doesn't mean you want to hurt people, you're just playing the game. Yeah. They're doing the same and um, I've got one of my best friends in football is a, a, a Duck Collins, um, Steve from, from Glasgow, played against him for years, violent, aggressive, nasty man mm. between the whistles. But after the whistle blows, he's a gentleman. He's one of my best friends in the world. I love the chap. I'm not a nasty, violent, horrible man, but I have the ability to be that in a controlled environment. Yeah. Hence the I was very good at working doors because I could switch from being a very nice, amicable chap that you can chat to and sort of guy, hopefully the sort of guy you would want to get to yeah. know to being quite physical and aggressive and intimidating
0: but disciplined a, with it, a, controlling, yes, control. Yes, yes.
1: Not, you know, not not aggressive in terms of going at people. Yeah. But if you have... Assertive. You, you need, yeah, you need to, yes, you need to have, if you're going to play contact sport, you need to switch on and off. People call it the switch. Switch from being really nice, amicable chap that you want to go spend time with to a nasty, violent sort of person that, that you, oh, crikey, I don't, <laughs> don't mess with him. You know, and I was able to do that, but with the flick of a switch. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I'm nuts or so nothing like that. Well, no, but, but not.
0: It's interesting there because I think why well, a lot of us, myself included, like people who excel at contact sports, look up, look up to them, combat sports as well, boxing, mm. MMA, you think what we see there is, uh, yeah, a display of physical prowess but also I think the uh, the sort of granular level is the courage, right? To courage to get in the ring, courage to go and f- protect your quarterback, protect, protect your quarterback as an offensive yeah. lineman, whatever it is in rugby right. to to stand and make a tackle. But you yeah. talk about in the book and it's something that's interesting because I remember friends who grew grew early, grew bigger as teenagers, and you remember that, that feeling of being a teenage boy because you're always looking out around your back as well when you went out. But they, interestingly, you think that they're necessarily going to have a confidence. But as you were saying, when you came back from living in Singapore suddenly you realise you're a bit of a target and what people do oh, is often target the right? big man and you had, yeah, to, yeah. you had to stand up for yourself earlier. Yeah, how, how important um, is it to, to stand up for ourselves? I think that, it is, yeah, yeah,
1: but it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, yeah. unless you, uh, you know, I was, I was a target because I was bigger. Yeah. People, yeah obviously, I was bigger, but people thought, so, so I, I don't have the maturity to be bigger.
0: Yeah, well, they think if um, they get the big guy, the rest of the group will yeah, fall in line. All that, think? All yeah, all that, all that.
1: So you're always targeted and, and it happened an awful lot. So you get to a point where how do you stop it? You can't mm. reason with people at a certain age, and you're sick of getting spat at and 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 your lunch money nicked and your you know your bag taken and torn apart, and all your own works ripped up and and all these silly little things that are stupid little things, yeah. so you react and how do you react i I learned to box mm. um not because I wanted to be tough i I thought it was a good idea, not because I was frightened of people I didn't learn to box for that reason it It was just a coincidence that. It helped me deal with a, a particular nasty person. that was the bane of my life, if you like. Mm. Um, now, I don't contone violence in any way, shape or form, unless it's controlled and within sport. But this, in this particular, I, was, I couldn't go to the local park. I, I looked like, you know, I was a big, strong boy that looked mm. like a wimp. It's embarrassing. It's, mm. it's, it, it upsets you you know you'd look I'd go to the park and see who's about so you
0: decided to make a sort of decision internally, well I, you, I, I, I reacted
1: once to a given situation this this chap was came at me again one day and he was a, a low life no good person you know there's nothing ever gonna and nothing ever came of him he unfortunately for for his family he he lived a, a very poor life and you know died early in his life mm. and so through through his his own way but that, that that's unfortunate but he he was a horrible, horrible person, nasty, horrible man to me, person to me, boy to me. And I lashed out. He spat at me one time after coming at me and bullying me again. And I'd trying to back off and and sort of cower a bit and wimp out. But I couldn't get away because they'd, they'd boxed me in. And he spat at me and I just lashed out. And I, I, I hurt him really seriously, which frightened me because I only hit him one time. Mm. Um, but I you've got to picture the scene. I'm I'm... 15 years old. I'm, I'm six foot two and 14 and a half, 15 stone. <laughs> and I'm powerful because I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an athletic. This chap is maybe five, six, five, seven, probably nine, 10 stone. Yeah. And I, I hit him through reaction, but because I'd been taught, I knew where to bring it from. Yeah. So right up from your feet up through your core. And unfortunately it did him some serious damage, broke his jaw, his top palate and his nose. And he, but
0: that changed he, your life, did it in that moment. Well, because it, taught, fr- me, it taught me it me how powerful I was, yeah.
1: and and it frightened the life out of me because I thought I was in serious trouble. Mm. He he was in yeah, he uh, he was taken to hospital. He was unconscious for a long time, came around. Luckily enough, the the, the police that dealt with it because the police were called. Um, there were witnesses to see that I was being bullied and it wasn't an issue. I was a good kid. I never had any previous issues. Mm. The police were not interested. He had a a wrap a sheet if you like as long as your arm and it all got it also sort of kind of kind of just went away really that the police suggested that if he charged me i would charge him and he would go to borstal or, or a detention center and i would just get it told off so he he dropped all charges um <laughs> the funny thing about that was i was i didn't go out for a long time because i thought well i can't go to the park anymore they're going to be people are going to be after me and this is going to happen and that's going to happen i didn't go to the to, to the, the boys club but it turned out that I was I'd gone from being a, a person that was like well, wow, you know it's just big lump over there to don't mess with him or yeah. he's to be respected yeah, yeah, yeah. or that's you know but so then when you mix that in with the fact that I wasn't a bully I was a helpful chap I you know I did I I, I would do good things I would help around school I'd help just what yeah. nice kids do. I felt I was a nice kid. So be a leader because so, people looked up to you because you were well, a little Well, a little bit yeah. that. You, you, you then get respected around, you know, the, kids would come in from other schools to you. I remember we'd go and play, play teams at other sports. Mm. I'd get off the bus and the local tough guys at Bournside <laughs> or at Oakley would be, all right, I'll oh, oh, you, you know. And it was always snarling at me before, but they'd yeah. heard what I'd done. Yeah. So they thought, well, I'm not messing with him. Yeah. And it, but you also so you, used funny it for, about you used it for good ultimately, didn't you? With the the working on the yeah. doors of never the never hit anybody
0: since shouldn't be live. But you're actually kind of sticking up for people in clubs who are getting a rough time or women or whoever it might be. My it's job a bouncer.
1: My job as a doorman was as a bouncer. I was a Dicky Bow doorman, so old school. Um, you know, dinner dinner suits, if you like, black jackets, black trousers, dicky bows on, you know um that type. But my job was to make sure everybody had a good time. Yeah. And um I would be conscientious about how I did that. I worked a very big club in Cheltenham called GAS. Anybody that knows, similar age to me would remember GAS, 1986. Where where was it in Cheltenham? It was in um, uh, St. James's Square, round round by St. James's, um, just opposite St. James's pub by the Catholic Church. Very special club, opened up 1986, ran in in that guise, it stayed for five, six years but it was a special place. Lots of people would come in. We had queues all the way down to the, the 100 yards down the road. <laughs> so my, my attitude to being a doorman was I would, I would take a doorman with me and I would walk the queue. And I would say to a, a lad who had trainers on, son, you won't get in with them. So what, what, and if you've got an attitude, for example, what do you mean I won't, you know, mean I won't get in with them? <laughs> so, and I would then say, look, calm yourself down. I'm just trying to be reasonable. Give yourself an opportunity to jump in a cab, Go and get your, your your some shoes or find some shoes, come yeah. back, you'll be alright. Yeah, yeah. I said, I'll tell you what, if you behave yourself, I'll let you in for nothing. <laughs> so then people around the queue would hear that. And you'd see people step out of the queue going, well, What about these, mate? And so now you're in a situation where they think I'm helping them, I'm not the enemy. Yeah. Now you always get the thugs that want to fight you, that, that don't wanna, that don't wanna, you know, that that, that won't take no for an answer. Had a few drinks. And don't care and all that kind of stuff. But that's how I did the job. And I was remembered for that now. Also, when when you had to do your job physically, you did it. And that's important that people around see you do it physically, but the right way. Yeah. Um, that's why bigger men were always better at it.
0: Yeah. Well, you said, um, you said that now there's no dicky-bos and there's well, five-foot, five, six-inch guys I, in... Puffers. I get a little bit... <laughs> I, it's
1: a little bit of an issue with me. I don't. I don't understand the badge thing, where people wear badges on their arm. Mm. You have you have men, the, the, the reason, for me, the reason door staff or bouncers were in place was, was to make sure everybody had a good time, was to try, so we tried to do it the right way. I understand not everybody did, and there's a stigma about bouncers. A yeah. lot of them were bullies, I know that. I met a few. But generally, in the 15 years I did the job, most of them were good guys, but mm. they were big men. Yeah. And big men have, have have a presence. And they make you think, don't they? I, I liken it to, we all drive on the motorway at 80, 90 mile an hour. We see a police car, we slow down to 70. <laughs> we see a policeman walk in the street if we're having a gig or we, we calm down a little bit. Yeah. If you see a dicky Bow and you're a little boisterous in a club, you tend to just calm down a little bit. The, the trick is not to leave that dicky Bow doorman stood there. Move him after 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Put someone else there so they don't feel intimidated. Mm. Treat people with a bit of respect. I don't see how a little, a smaller chap, with a badge on his arm, and a bad attitude, because they have to be tough guys, or or seem to be. Because
0: if if you're smaller, you have to maybe act. Well, they typically act a bit more chippy because you feel like you need to prove something. Whereas I see so many smaller
1: men. They're not small. I mean, smaller men meaning I'm talking five. Normal, normal, you know, normal-sized guys that, that are probably very good at the job but they stick chests out they haven't got. Yeah. And it puts people, it gets you, it puts people's backs up. Who are you to tell me? Who are you to tell me this and that? Well, I've done a course. Well. If you're 6'5 and have a good attitude and you're stood with a dicky boy and you don't need to do a course. No. You just need the experience of doing the job. Well, it's
0: primal, isn't it? You look at it, you just think, oh, you know, I won't step out of line because this guy's bigger and stronger than me. Listen, well, I, I, at me, I understand.
1: But I understand. Also, you must remember back in my time, it was doormen were only on on, on nightclubs. Yeah, now they're everywhere. Yeah, you know you've got them on bus queues, you've got them in in, <laughs> in hot dog stands. You know you, they're everywhere. They're a, you could have run a business, couldn't you? you could yeah, have well, a security business or something. Not 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 for me, I don't think. But it's I could have, I would have enjoyed training, maybe teaching. Yeah, maybe helping them co- coach them a little bit. But but it's a different thing, world. Interesting
0: though. thing with nature and nurture because what you found in American football, you said you were you had a sporting aptitude, but with American football, it was like. Great for being an offensive lineman. You had this size. You had the quick feet. Hmm. You had this, the the build for being a, a bouncer. That's interesting for young people, isn't it? It's like everyone wants to be everything, but do you have to look at what your attributes mm. are and then find the the path for you? Is that, is well, that I a suppose big you
1: thing? do, don't you? I, 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 like I said, I was never going to be I'm never going to be a sprinter, was I, or a, hmm. a fifteen hundred meter runner? <laughs> but I could have been a shot putter or a discus yeah. thrower. So so you, you you tend to you draw toward that. Um, playing American football, there's all, all sorts, play the game. I'm never going to be a running back or a receiver, yeah. you know, chasing down, catching footballs, but I, I'm good at protecting. It was good for, and, you, had, uh, you had a
0: quick 40-yard time, was it? Five, yeah, five quick, five yeah, yeah
1: I could run, I, I ran a, a, a 4 9 five and a 4-9-4 four, a four, four was my best, which isn't bad, <laughs> you, 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 people think, well, they have no, no reference to that, but if you take a lot of soccer players that are pretty quick and run them over 40 yards... You, not a lot of them would be much quicker than that. Um, mm. um, there'd be a, quite a few, but not a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, and I was quite proud of that. Um, but it, it, what all, the, all that does is prove you're athletic. I think. In you, you, you'll see in, in NFL, uh, NFL show on the TV. You see combines all the time in America at certain times of the year. College kids coming through. They go off to combines. Well they tech, they, they, they chest, test athletic ability and then football-specific ability. Mm. So the first thing coaches are looking for is athletic ability, and then yep. can you then if you've got specific to a position ability can you, catch or- you can do very well. Yes. So my 40-yard my time was good because it shows I'm athletic, it shows I can get out in front and, and lead, a, block, uh, uh, lead, lead mm. a, a runner. But it was my. They have a three cone drill where you, 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 it's a certain drill you run, a shuttles. Yeah, I was good at that because I could change direction quickly and I could move my weight, manage my weight well. Yeah, so that was, I didn't think that was, <laughs> I mean, you know, you didn't I even can, know about that until you did the drill. I didn't no, have yeah. a clue. I just yeah. thought, well, what am I doing this for? Well, they want to know, and then if, if you can do that, then you can be coached to do this. So the whole thing about coaching comes in then because it's, it's, I mean, the mechanics of playing offensive line is. You could teach anybody to do it. It's quite simple. If but you have to have the size and strength, and then your mental, your mental strength, to be able to deal with that mm. day in day out, play after play after play. Obviously, there are nat- people are natural at it, but they're only natural at it because they're naturally athletic.
0: Yeah, you've got the ingredients, but you have to work on them and develop it. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah all of
1: that, especially in today's NFL. Mm. Um, or today's football, not not just yet. I mean, the NFL's the the, the elite, the the top one percent. Yeah. But college football is huge. High school football is huge in the states. We play football all over Europe. American football all over Europe, and it's it's huge in Germany especially.
0: Do you think it's growing still in the UK? No,
1: no, no. It's been it's it's no. It's just it's just. I mean, there are. It depends who you listen to, but the real the real truth is that it's it's not what it was. It never will be. Um, unfortunately
0: was it safety concerns for parents or no i think that? it's
1: no it's just when i started first generation no professional rugby yeah very few academies in anything just kids coming on playing so we had great athletes i mean super super athletes that that, that were just a biscuit off being olympic level runners or, mm-hmm. or, or or whatever you know lifters whatever big athletes so then you go you take a, you, you you maybe go a generation later you'll get to a point where yeah. professional rugby's come in. Yeah. So there's avenues now for these fast athletes to maybe go and earn a living. So they go to academies, they'll go to... The type to, of
0: play, people playing rugby's changed, more like American football yeah, the size of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. but they, they have more opportunities. There's academies in Bristol that, that, that Filton Wise has an academy that, that does all kinds of different sports. That, that, so kids aren't going to go and play gridiron um, uh, on a Sunday at your local team because they're going to... If you're big and strong... And you're athletic, you, you, you're going to try and channel that towards something that I might be able to do. Get paid. Uh, maybe, you know. So the consequence of that is American football's played in college levels here, mm. but it's usually played by the, the less athletic individuals. Not all, and there are some great players, great athletes still play, but it's usually played by the less athletic. Um, that are just looking for avenues to play some sport. Bit counterculture it's a different, a little different bit. thing it's it,
0: American it's a different. I mean
1: I'm you know people might mainstream. hate me for saying that but I I've seen the decline in the game. Obviously also the, the I mean football was hugely I mean the decline in our game from an amateur point of view was abused by people running it, you know. Yeah. We had um, we had some huge sponsors involved people like Coca-Cola and Budweiser and, and wow. huge sponsors that just got mismanaged by the people in power. And, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm very bitter about it
0: now because also, also the... It feels, I, it feels like the Super, the Super Bowl's coming up, isn't it? It feels like that's a big event still in the UK massive. for people. But yeah. you
1: see, I, I talked about the ILAF earlier in my life, interna- earlier in this conversation, yeah. the International League of American Football, which was based at a certain level. NFL come in and, and, and their attitude to it is, well, if football's going to be played anywhere in the world, it's going to be under our banner. Yeah. Allegedly. Okay. So they just destroyed anything the ILAF, they didn't destroy it. Did they mean to do it? I don't know.
0: Out-competed it,
1: yeah. Yeah. So straight away you, you end up with this. So then they bring in this World League stroke NFL Europe, which was, which was funded by the NFL owners completely mm. at a loss yeah, for for years and years and years.
0: So it wasn't Di- natural.
1: Dist- yeah, and and it was done purely and simply because they needed to see what these kids could do, these fringe players they had could do, because they, they didn't, they mm. didn't. There was no reserve team play, and and that destroyed what I think could have been a really prosperous league in Europe, much like our basketball yeah. is now.
0: it was funded on its own merits. So yes, it was purport- so you could yeah.
1: have had you could have had young men like, for example, my two sons that could have played professional sports. But not for the multi-million dollars that, that is the yeah. NFL, but the, much like basketball is in in Europe. Yeah, and in there's a professional there's a professional netball league in Europe, and those kids are earning good money, but they're having an opportunity to to do something uh, in a sporting environment which they they wouldn't normally have. And there 's a fine line between some of these kids that, that w- w- would have done that would never have been NFL players, but that 's the one percent yeah you know what about the ten percent the twenty percent that are really, really good that don 't get the chance to play anymore can 't play rugby because uh, whatever reason I suppose there that, 's just an opportunity I think there was an opportunity missed, and I think the NFL has that on its conscience, not and i don 't blame them for it, of course you know they're they 're an organization they want. If we're going to play football globally, let's have it under our banner. I just wish they could have done it a little differently. And yeah. whilst whilst they're not responsible for destroying British American football, they they are a little responsible for how for the for the decline. I think because of the way, not directly, but just the way it was the, the influences and the, and, the, and the different. Things they wanted to well. control
0: the the whole the whole picture, really. But it's is, typical yeah. of
1: for me. It's typical of NFL. They will look after themselves. Yeah. They will care. Care very. I mean, the the, the the you know the the outward profile is yeah. Well, we care, but no, I care about yeah. You might their see that programs, other big know.
0: things like the Premier League football soccer. Yeah, absolutely, as we call it you know globally is that helping develop other leagues in other countries, or is that the focal point that's then, that then that, that that diminishes the domestic league? We have
1: we have great teams. I mean, you, you know, I'm not blaming the NFL for that. That's just business, and they're fair enough. But you have great teams like Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea that have players in their academies that will never play for them, mm. that would do really well for Colchester or for Gillingham or somewhere like that. And they, they, they absorb them because and they, they keep them there because they don't want them to have them, yeah. or them to have them, or yeah. them to have them. And then you get to a point where they're 22-23 and they get enough. released. Yeah, There's a kid playing at Cheltenham now, was at Arsenal, for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, 22 now. So his dream was to play for Arsenal. Of course it was. But at what point did he, or did they know that he was never going to be a premiership player, but he's a damn good player yeah, and he could play in the championship and he could play in league one where there are some great rewards.
0: Yeah. And it takes longer to adjust to that level once you go to it. Yeah. And I think
1: that all these, you know, money, money does that, you know, and it's not, it's, that's our premiership. I'm sure the rugby academies are everywhere now and and you see how that was mismanaged recently with, with, unfortunately with Worcester and Wasps and, and, and this kind of thing and, the, the misuse of funds and how things are it, I just I, I get frustrated at that um a little but it's how it is I suppose you know
0: hmm. what I want to, to round up the conversation the things that come through in in the book because you're a Cheltenham man you were born I think and lived in a in Norton way was it yes. in yeah I think, number 33 yes. yeah my sister-in-law lived at Norton Close so my nephew and niece were born sort of off that Norton Park area right yeah. around that whole place so I know that I know that well, but you, you traveled, you, you lived in Singapore, you came back and, and with Rachel, with your success, her success with the salon, you traveled the world. So there's a, there's a counterpoint there. You, you talked to me before we started recording about this balance between, you know, appreciating what we have by going around the world, but also there's a historical stuff in your book about what life was like here when you came home from Singapore, the struggles for people, mm. the three day working mm. week all the, the energy crisis that really, was around then, yeah. which which people will be reminiscent with now. You, you sort of, I guess a, a powerful message through it is this this individualism, this rugged individualism, I guess Americans call it, of like, yes, we need a safety net of, of the government and stuff, but we do need to be responsible for ourselves. Is that a big, big message when you look around the world? It, it, and I think at, so. Country, I,
1: I think that, you know, be responsible for your own future. I mean, my, my wife and I had dreams. We, we were 19. We, we got married. We had nothing. We... I never accepted anything from anybody. I I mean, people listening to this might think, well, Dad helped you a bit. My dad gave me advice. Yeah. Because that's all I wanted from him. Um, uh, I I stood on my own two feet. It was important to me to do that. Uh, I suppose maybe driven on, it was a different Britain. I mean, I come home to literally a three-day week, everybody on strike and power going off at certain times. Very alien to me from where I grew up. But then if you like, the, 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 the politics of the country, when I was a young man, it gave me the opportunity to go out and get it. Mm. You know, I remember it, Thatcher, if you like, but I, I felt like Thatcher said to me through the television, look, son, you want it? You go get it. It's mm. there for you. That didn't suit everybody. It certainly didn't suit the unions and the and miners and things yeah. like that. But it, it gave me, it, it made me feel like I, I have, I now have an opportunity to be rewarded through effort. Not through subsidy, or not through just being me. So we're giving you anything. I want, I want, I want the opportunity to reward, to to reward myself, to have reward, because I'm going to try. And I was given that opportunity in our country in the early 80s. You you can say what you like. I come from Cheltenham. It's a nice part, nice part of the world. We don't have a lot of recession around here. I accept that but I was still given that opportunity. So my wife and I, when we got married at 19, 20 years old, we would sit, we were sitting on sofas that were given us. We, we, we had very little, we used to lie the bills out on the floor and say, who, who can we pay last so we can, and, and we did all of that. Um, and I don't want to be patted on the back for that, but we had dreams and those dreams were to travel the world and see the world. So how do you do that? Well, you put one foot in front of the other and you keep doing that until you get and live your dreams. Yeah. And I think if people are inspired by my life, I'm 61 years old now and I put one foot in front of the other since I was 19 with my wife side by side and we are, we have lived our dreams and we are continuing to. I've had a wonderful life and I'm having a lovely life. There's been some tragedy in it. There's been some heartache in it. My wife and her cancer was a desperate time in my life but we we took that on together head on yes we were lucky cuz she survived it um but other than that that's a big bump in the road but i just feel that that you you don't one foot in front of the other i said to my dad once many many years ago wow you know i said um I'm going to do this, Dad. I'm going to be all right, Dad. Because he he said, are you sure? I remember having some concerns. I'd been married a little while, you know, maybe Mm. six months, eight months. And Mum and Dad were home. I think Dad was home for a visit from Hong Kong. And I I remember he said, he sort of said, you were just chatting. Are you okay? And I said, well, it's frightening, isn't it? This kind of thing. And he said, well, you'll be all right. He said, "Um, just put one foot in front of the other and keep doing it. (laughs) And, you know, it was good advice from a good man and, and... I've been doing that ever since and one of those sometimes that one foot in front of the other happens in Rio or it happens in Mexico or it happens in San Francisco (laughs) because I've earned the right. My wife and I've earned the right. We, we, we travel around the world on, uh, we, 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 we do it in, in nice sort of hotels and, and we travel on nice airplanes in nice big seats and we can do that. I'm not a rich man, but I've, taken responsibility for my life and I've made some good investments and, and I've been lucky to still be here. So all comes back to one foot in front of the other, in my opinion. You know? Yeah,
0: make the most of the luck. And it's, it is a big balance, I think, when you look at it because you, it says you travel the world and you see what other countries who don't have any infrastructure or, or welfare, how difficult it is. But at the same time, as you're saying, I think being responsible, taking opportunities on your own—that that allows people to grow as as people as well. I think it's a big, fascinating, big thing. isn't it? Big thing. And it, but the book, because this is all in the book, you can get this yeah. out. An ordinary life, a little less ordinary. Are you going to get it published? Well,
1: yeah, it's interesting. I've spoken to Waters. I've spoken to a publisher, and they would like to publish the book. My my issue is, I, I don't want to be a considered a big-time Charlie who am I to write a book but well, if they
0: want it and you it, put it out there it's you're interesting not, you're, not, you're not shoving it down people's I think throats it's, are you Just see if it and see what comes of it I think you, some of the someone feedback might read that and someone might think that changes a young person's life a young man's life yeah. whatever it might be
1: I think that's an interesting point and and I hadn't considered that before I just considered it from a well, it's just a story everybody's yeah. got a story yeah but if it if it helps a, a young kid 20 you know a 19 20 21 years old or a young couple yeah or or it it it, it inspires somebody to, to, to just play sport, don't feel the pressures of having to push and push and push and or be, or, see where it takes them. go you know.
0: into Brick Lane because you look at that and you think, you said you drive past places you've worked yeah. on the sense of pride you get because actually bit, yeah. of all the things in the world building people's homes is, is massive and you've Isn't actually it? extended your own home you said over the last 40 years or whatever it's been and yeah it that's is. a practical so people might actually look at that and think actually rather than go to uni I don't know what I want to do why don't I do something hands-on yeah like that trade skills are difference. exceptional
1: and, and not to be sneezed out you can earn a good living yeah um, but it's also quite rewarding and if you, if, you're a, if you understand that you're a very very small cog but I, I drive past Cheltenham General Hospital I've done a lot of work there a tiny little small cog but it makes a difference to some people's lives I go yeah. past houses I've built and I see the families playing in the gardens and I think
0: yeah I'm, I've, I've
1: built that you know and and um I'm and if quite you're a good person you'll do
0: well as because people are always looking for builders to... long as you're there's a there's
1: a saying that I mentioned earlier excuse my french but if your head's down and your ass is up as a bricklayer <laughs> you're earning a living yeah you'll do well and and it's well paid. I'm, I'm 61 and I'm, I've been retired five years. I'm thinking about going back because they're earning some good money now. Are they? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I'm not going back. But it's it's a. <laughs>
0: we could probably get some work for you. I'm it sure. did
1: me. I did very well at the industry. I was never. I'll never be a millionaire out of it, but I earned a good living. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a surgeon. But I've been able to make some good investments with my wife and travel the world and and, and have some very nice um, nice times within that. And now all that's through just going every day and and making sure I'd, I worked hard at it, and I think, yeah, don't don't underestimate trade skills. People should should forget about not forget about university, but look at trade skills. They're What's right for you? Exceptional, yeah. Yeah. you know. And and uh, it, 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 it's not an easy yeah. industry, whatever you do in it. But um, it's physic meaning it's a physical job. Yeah. yeah. And you have to be right physically, and you have to set your mind straight on that that it's not. But I'm I'm 61. I, I was at it 42 years, and um, I'm okay. You know, I'm a big lump who's played a lot of sports, but I'm good for the heart, I'm, good for the lungs. Well, I'm all right. I yeah. seem to be okay. I'm yeah. still here, and and uh, Spe- I see. I don't. I've had a couple of lower back surgeries, and I've I've had an upper back surgery, but I think that's through the job and sport. Not everybody's like that, but I mean, I'm still fit, Abel. I go yeah. to the gym and I, I cycle, and um, you know, I enjoy life. Yeah, so good for you. Mm, I hope. Yeah, I hope, th- I hope the books. I hope the book does get published. I've just got to make my mind up Do on it. Do it. And Do it. We'll see, yeah.
0: I think it's powerful. You're a powerful man, good man, and it's a great story. So thank, thank you for coming around again. My pleasure. Thank you. Look, I really hope that Mark Hoppo publishes that book and gets it available to people because it is, I think, quite a good guide to life, his processes, how he's got successful, how he's been independent but got the right advice at different times and just the people in his life and how important those role models are and how we can glean things from those people close to us not some glamorous sort of uh glitterati on social media necessarily it can be pe- real people in our life and i think it's a powerful book and he's got some as i say some real honesty in, in how he looks at the world and certainly doesn't uh masquerade or or try and sweet talk anyone. So I think it's a it's a powerful, powerful read. Really appreciate him coming over to talk about it. And hopefully he does release it soon. I'll let you know via my social media as and when that happens. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Nolfson of Cheltenham and Serene V, specialists in the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Remember, with cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. If you want to check out their supplements, then the discount code is DRAPER10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, numerals one, zero, and the capital letter R. And if you like the look of Herring Shoes, at herringshoes.co.uk, remember, for 10% off with the podcast on shoes over 20 pounds, you can use the code TED10, T-E-D, all capital letters, the numerals one, zero, and listen to Mark there. I don't know if it is prompted to that that whole idea of of attic box audio and, and maybe recording lives. And if you want to look at that, look up at atticboxaudio.co.uk. My wife and I starting this company where I just sit down with members of the public, like I have done with Mark to a, to a certain extent. But he's documented in this book. I don't think many people get those facts, those anecdotes, those memories really crystallized like Mark has. And I think people miss out. Families miss out on those real insight into their loved ones and mothers, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, whoever it might be. And I think it's something that maybe is a, is a good service for it. It's certainly interesting for me to hear people's life stories, endlessly curious about their lessons and their stories and their twists and turns the learnings, uh, but find out more about that at atticboxaudio.co.uk. Also available via drapermedia.co.uk. And if you ever feel stuck in life and not exactly where you want to be, Anthony Asprey of the Whole Man Academy, who does work with women by the way, but predominantly men will uh, give you a free consultation through the show notes just follow that link to Anthony's sign up page five free available with the podcast every month thank you for listening to the podcast have a great week and hope to speak to you again soon bye for now